Welcome to the Elk Talk Podcast with Randy Newberg and Corey Jacobson. Presented by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. The goal is what little you and I know about elk hunting, we share with people. I've got an elk building, it's like 120 yards away, what do I do? First off, the thought would never cross my mind when an elk being 120 yards away to call anybody <laughs> on a cell phone. <laughs> All elk. All the time. Only elk. Only elk. Well, it's us having conversations. So we usually go down some rabbit holes. But if you hunt with Corey Jacobson, you will find the landscape is full of rabbit holes. We're just going to make this up as we go. And you look at it like, oh, that's a target-rich environment. But if you're trying to single one out, a solo target there is much easier to go into than a, a big group. We record everything, so there's no BS and no lying, no faking it with us. <laughs> Did we hit the record I button? I forgot to hit the record <laughs> button. If you want to know something about elk hunting, this probably isn't the podcast to listen to. <laughs> Should we give them a list of all the other podcasts wow. where they might learn something? <laughs> The Elk Talk Podcast is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, ensuring the future of elk, other wildlife, their habitat, and our hunting heritage. To become a member, go to rmef.org. And the podcast is also brought to you by OnX Maps. And with OnX Maps, you can know where you stand with the most accurate hunting GPS tech on the market with land ownership maps that work offline. Go to onxmaps.com and use promo code ELKTALK and you're going to save 20% when you sign up for an app membership at onxmaps.com. The podcast is also brought to you by Gerber. Uh, go to gerbergear.com and learn about the knives, the vital, the big game vital, the Gator Premium, all the things that we use when we're out in the woods and not just knives, but also some really cool multi-tools that they have. We're also proud to partner with Sitka Gear. And if you go to sitkagear.com, you'll see their full line of clothing. And their tagline is turning clothing into gear. And they are doing that through advanced technology that allows you to stay in the field longer, hunt harder, and stay safer. The Elk Talk podcast is also brought to you by GoHunt.com. Uh, go to GoHunt.com and sign up for the Insider. Um, the, the insider is changing how haunts and hunting information are found. No doubt about that. Use promo code ELKTALK, and when you do, when you sign up for the insider, you're going to get $50 of store credit, mad money, in their gear shop. And we are also brought to you by Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. And Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls is the original designer and inventor of the pallet plate diaphragm that's completely changed the way elk calls are made and used. And to find out more and to order your elk calls, go to RockyMountainHuntingCalls.com or BuglingBull.com and use promo code ELKTALK and you're going to save 15% on all of your elk calls and elk call accessories. And with that, Corey, we are ready to get into it. Hey, folks, we told you it was going to be noisy, uh, but I don't know. That we, did we know it was going to be this noisy? It's uh, it's busy. We're at Western Conservation Hunting Expo in Salt Lake, and today is Saturday, which is the day of chaos here. And we're kind of, yeah. we've got a, a little corner of a booth here with four chairs in it, but the background noise is, yeah, we're picking it up. So we apologize for that, that you have to hear that in the background. But being at a cool show like this allows us to uh, meet up with some really cool people that, 
really good guests. Yeah. And uh, we're, we hijacked the corner of the Go Hunt booth here. And don't know what they're going to charge us for rent. We should charge them. We should. You'd yeah. They, they, I thought we were going to have a leather couch. That was my request. I know. And we're we sitting here on metal chairs. Metal chairs. My butt hurts. <laughs> but I, when you sit around as much as I do, you get a good callus on your butt anyhow. <laughs> so there goes the llama man himself, Bo Beatty, walking nice. right past here. He's going to come back. We should throw Bo on this podcast. <laughs> You guys, uh, well, don't so, yeah, let me hijack. We're, we're, we got we're we got good. our guests here that yep. are horse guys. They are. So I've Fitness got guys. I've known Jeff and Mark Skousen, who are twin brothers, for several years, and uh, they're just hardcore DIY get after it elk hunters. And I thought the world needs to know Mark and Jeff. So our guests on uh, this podcast are Mark and Jeff Skousen. So welcome, guys. Great to so, be here. Yeah. Uh, awesome. And you guys are from Utah. Born and raised in Utah, lived down in uh, Utah County, and then until we graduated from college here and BYU grads, and then we uh, kind of spread out. Jeff went to Washington, I went to California for five or six years, then we migrated back, and have lived here ever since, and raised our families here, so. Well, good job of migrating back yeah. from California. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, nothing against the California folks, it's just, we've run into a bunch of them here, and the, you always hear the the stories of how hard it is to hunt in California. Yeah. It makes me realize how lucky I am. Yeah, you either hear the stories of people who live here now, and they're so grateful to yeah. be out of California, or the ones who are still there and saying, I wish I didn't have to live there. <laughs> the, 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 the one silver lining of living in California, other than... You know, there's diversity and lots of people, which is not the silver lining, but I, I, I managed to find a way to hunt pigs down there. Oh, yeah? So I, my, one of my first bow kills was 20-plus years ago. was a 250-pound Russian boar out in kind of the inland of California. So <laughs> there, there is actually hunting you can do down there, but it was, uh, it was pigs back then. Okay. So. <laughs> but not a lot of elk hunting. Um, yeah, they, they have a little bit, but it's really limited tule elk down there on some preserves, and it's kind of just private stuff. Yeah, so I've been researching do. tule elk. Yeah. That, I mean, that's I would love to hunt tule elk. Uh, there is one non-resident tag in the mm -hmm. whole state of California for a tule elk. Yeah. yeah. And other than that, you have to buy a landowner tag. That's your only option to hunt tule so elk. So if your dream, which you always talk about these tule elk when we're not on camera or on headsets, yeah. is tule elk... My Sounds only option is to buy a landowner tag. Yeah. Or not go. And most likely hunt on private land. Yeah. There, there are a few. There's a military preserve you can hunt on. There, there are a few options, which I'm still looking because my last thing I want to do is just go buy a tag and go hunt on private land. Yeah. Not because I'm a you know, public land snob or anything, but that's just not my style of elk hunting. Right. But I do want to experience tule elk. I just want to have that experience to say, I've hunted multiple states, I've hunted all the species, and just be able to intelligently talk from experience on it. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in that quandary right now of trying to figure out how to balance that and how to make that happen. Because yeah. I can't pay, I mean, a, a trophy like a true bull elk tule hunt is twenty to $30,000. Yeah. That'll never happen. Rounding error in your checkbook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Rounding don't, don't down let, and taking off four of the zeros. Yeah, Mike. Don't, don't let Corey Jacobson fool you, man. That guy is tighter than tight. And, but it, you did. I did see you pay $5 for a water this morning. Three seventy-five, and I gave one to you. So That's generosity. That's that not is. tightness. You that's... get any kinder, you'll dive enlargement of the heart or that's something. Right. Uh, but, wait, this we get kid, on so now you guys man. know what it's like. When, you guys 
guys are already like, hey, we've well, listened, we've, 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 we're fans. We've, we've you... listened to your podcast. <laughs> 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 Lots of squirrels. And... Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, if there's a squirrel or a rabbit hole, we've been, we'll investigate uh, it. I was going to say, we, did the, we recorded the podcast on New Mexico and the applications there, so it's probably time that we apologize again for that because <laughs> yeah. that was late night in a hotel and, yeah. and we talk about squirrel holes. Yeah, so, Corey, we'll Corey was in a downer about New Mexico because he's been on one New Mexico hunt and that's his sample size and he killed the bull but he still, they weren't bugling so it was like, well... Why, uh, why ever go to New yeah, Mexico again? right. That's, and I appreciate your guys' podcast on Utah because you were a downer on that too. So we were, can, can you guys lift us up? <laughs> no, keep we, it down. We'll just, we'll just keep it down. Really? There's no hunting you know, in Utah. You know how much hate mail I got because of that? Yeah. Like, Man, you know, Utah's not all that bad. I'm like, no, it's not. I drew. You guys gave me a tag. It was a lot of fun. And But they're just, they're, like you guys said, that it's just far and few between. I mean, you got to... Unless you just kind of know some of the the little secret spots on the general hunt, you're you know every right. probably ten years you could potentially draw an archery tag in Utah, yeah. which doesn't give you a ton of opportunities in your lifetime. Right, so. and and I t- uh, my response to those people has been well, I, it was just a comment about how limited the opportunities are for limited entry, and as a general tag, I th- I think Montana, Wyoming, Colorado. Most people would say, oh, it's going to maybe be a little less crowded, maybe a higher population of elk. And so the general over-the-counter experience in those states might, most people would say, is better than what it is in yeah, Utah. Yeah. I'm no question. And, and these I guys, probably, you guys have hunted Colorado, Idaho, Wyoming. Wyoming. I don't know. You've been Montana. to Montana. You have. So yep. you've hunted all those states, and you live and hunt in Utah. So, I mean, would you agree? Over-the-counter general opportunities. We And we've had success over-the-counter. There's a few places that we've scouted out because we wanted to go hunt a branch antler bull, but that's what you get, a branch antler bull. I remember when you and Mark were hunting down in southern Colorado and I shot that little bull yeah. and sent you a picture. I mean, that's the type of bulls that you hunt. And and guys guys run into nice bulls in the in the general hunt i'm at, i'm sitting at 21 points in utah right now for elk no as, a re- as a resident as, as a, a resident. resident yeah you're kidding me been holding out for one specific unit but the thing that i've that i haven't liked is the archery season ends yep. the f- yeah. second week of september right and and it's 100 degrees still yeah and so I've been hoping that Utah would wise up and follow every other state uh-huh. and not put the rifle hunt right in the middle of the rut. We'll yeah. probably get shot for that one too, but <laughs> still it is, I don't know that there's much sport in it really. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I so. guess you're just going to have to do that. Yeah. Because with the, the rifle hunt in Utah, you have archery that goes till the 12th to the yeah. 15th of September. The rifle hunt starts the very next day. Seven days. So Saturday, that third Saturday, usually in September, it runs seven seven days. And then you jump right into muzzleloader, <laughs> which wow. is Still rifle hunting peak you know, today. Yeah, a deep rut. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it just depends on how the... the, the the calendars line up. Two years ago, they actually ran it to the 17th just because the third Saturday in August when it started was really late. And okay. so it ran deep into September. So you wait another seven years and you're going to get that late hunt again. <laughs> Except for you have to count oh, for the God. leap year. Yeah, and then the leap year. Yeah, it throws everything out of whack. I wonder if anyone uh, listening really thinks about 21 years in your home state. Yeah. So to get 21 points, you've flunked the draw 21 times. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been putting in. Wow. 
Oh. So anyway, but the good news is, is we've been able to go to a bunch of other states and hunt, so mm-hmm. it hasn't been, you know, that big a deal. I figure that's a once in a lifetime, and when every when all the stars align and I can take the whole month off, you know, then I'll go do that one. Yep. No, that, that's a great point. We alluded to it a little bit on a previous podcast, but I went to Arizona several years, years ago and did a seminar, and everybody came up. You know, there were very few people there, and the ones that came up were like, hey, thanks for doing this. Hopefully, when I, when I draw my tag, I'll get excited about it, and come, hopefully we'll be here that year and do a seminar again. And it just dawned on me that these people wait 12 to 15 years to hunt elk for the first and only time. Yeah, crazy. And they draw this incredibly quality tag, and they go hunting with no experience. They have, yeah, they don't know what they do. They can drive across the border to Colorado or to Montana or Idaho or whatever state it is and just hunt elk for a couple of years. There's just so much opportunity that, you know, Utah general, if you live in Utah, don't wait to draw the limited tag in 20 years. Go and hunt elk and just be out there at least and get that experience. I think we were talking about a little bit this yesterday, Corey, but one of the things Utah has given us is, there, I mean, there's lots of opportunity to go, sh- you know, hunt spikes and in really premium units. So it's it's not too hard to find elk and, and find young bulls, spike bulls. And, and that's where we really cut our teeth. I mean, we've probably had 10 years of killing spikes and cows with archery equipment and, and, it, and it really... Um, helps kind of refine the skills when you get in the heat of the moment on a big bull at least you've been there before and you I mean you're still shooting an elk right so you still some of the same tactics apply and so it's been it's been really good for us and I think you guys have mentioned this on a podcast that the guys just need to get out there and hunt elk and it's not always how big the elk is you just got to get out there and hunt elk get the experience you know learn how to handle adrenaline and, and kind of the heat of the moment situations and then you can be successful on you know kind of bigger and better things eventually but I mean, for us, the, the main thing is we, we love elk. For 22 years, ever since I've been married, we've had a freezer full of elk, and it's just been awesome because that's, that's what we live off as a family and, and uh, just love it. So for me, if I have a full freezer, I, don't, I care, less, care, care less if it's a spike or a, or a, a big stinky six-point. We so. all want to shoot a big bull, <laughs> yeah, exactly. but we want a full freezer. Yeah, so that's, right. Yeah. So there's, there's good opportunity in Utah for that. And last year, I actually I, I was fortunate because I had just got off my five-year waiting period because I drew a muzzleloader tag back in 2011 and five-year waiting period and I was only in the draw two years and some someone turned in their tag and and I got a I got one of those lucky calls from the division and said hey I got it we got a tag here you're next on the list you want it and I had two points yeah. and so I went I said sure might as well go actually hunt elk with my bow in Utah <laughs> and it was a great hunt um, it was warm like Jeff said it was pretty warm but we got into activity and ended up killing a really nice bull so yeah, so with good. that, do you have to wait another five years? Yeah, now? then so you're you five do. years again. Yep. Gotcha. So. <laughs> yeah, you got to wait five years whether you're successful or not. Yeah, yeah. just get the tag. Just drawing the tag. Yeah, because yep. I got one of those calls. I thought it was a crank call. Yeah. <laughs> I, I only had five points. I come, I won't go into why I have a landline anymore, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> you probably have a fax machine too, Randy. I, I do. <laughs> I have my CPA firm. Yeah, there's a lot. All right. I'm, gosh, I'm really dating myself here, but I got that call too. And I'm like, wow, five points, the odds of me ever getting to go or zero? Yeah, I'm in. And I drew the, they gave me the South Cash archery yeah. tag. And so when you're talking, uh, Jeff, about the, the early August part of it. Uh, I think the season ended September 12th or yep. 14th, the year I had the tag. And uh, I planned that last week 
and it was getting better and better and we we're hearing bulls and then my wife had to have an emergency surgery so i lost the last three oh, days bummer. of the season but i tell her honey thanks for giving me a, an excuse about why i didn't film my utah <laughs> archery jag <laughs> but it is weird it, it's really interesting how the, you know in most states it's flip-flopped where the rifle yep. hunts are not in the rut and the archery yeah. is but so they've yeah. changed that a little bit they they added, actually added so you've got still the the rut rifle but then they added an early october and i think a later october now so you actually have several opportunities at least on the rifle front to go hunt elk in utah i think they just were spreading out the level a little bit so it wasn't so concentrated they wanted to take right the pressure off of september a little yeah. bit yeah. yeah yeah well they can provide more opportunity i would think because yeah. the Success exploitation rates. of the resource would probably be a little less in october or november than it is yeah i would think yeah i mean you think about how many encounters we've had in archery season boy you give me a 300 win mag in my hand and that wasn't <laughs> that bull wasn't going to get away especially yeah. in a controlled unit that's managed for yeah. quality and yeah uh, it's crazy so of all the traveling states you guys go to you got a favorite it, it had been colorado because when we were um when we were younger about 12 years old our our family uh, bought a little ranch 80 acres over um, in Colorado. Okay. Um, about two hours, you know, from us here, three hours. Well, it was a total five, but just two hours into Colorado. So northwest part of Colorado. And so we spent from age 12 to 20 yeah. um, with that. And cool. so we, we, got into, we got into hunting over there. And um, actually, we, we started experimenting at a young age, videoing some. So we got hooked up with ranching for wildlife over there and so we would take our little cameras at age 14 15 and we would we would film these guys um as they would hunt and these these guys would come in and and that's that's where we fell in love with hunting okay. and uh with, with elk hunting and so we every year we would we would take our horses into the back country with our dog and we'd go fish all the lakes and you know just got really loving colorado and we continue that even after we sold the place my parents got old and didn't want to take care of that anymore, so we sold that. And we continued to go back over there every year just because we knew it. Or like every three years, maybe. Yeah. Every three years. Cool. Uh, this year was our first entree into Idaho, and we both uh, we both did really well, killed killed bulls in, in Idaho this year. And so, I don't know. You Between, got lucky. There's, there's, not yeah, there's, really no elk, there's no elk in Idaho. There is no elk in Idaho, but we, there's some tripped onto our arrows there, and, yep. and so we did okay. But so... Between Idaho, Wyoming, Colorado, I mean, those are those would be our probably our top three. To, to say which one's better, I don't, I don't know. I mean, right now we can only hunt uh, Wyoming probably every two or three years, just on the general tag. Yeah. Idaho, we can go every year. Yeah. So I would say that may and, be our. And Colorado's about. We just need a point usually to get. There's some great OTC units there too, but we need a point to get to the places that we you know and yeah. yeah. And it'll be interesting. We'll we'll run into people there. They. They'll go a week. We'll talk to them. We haven't seen an elk. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, we, we haven't, haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> we got two hanging in the tree here. But. Uh, so uh, what do you guys do for real work? Day job stuff. Um, I'll start. And, and people listening to this podcast, Jeff and I sound very similar, so you may not <laughs> be able to distinguish between who's talking to about similar or too. Yeah, We so. look a little similar. We sound sounds similar uh, this is mark um i do real estate development for education facilities actually so oh, i've wow. been doing that for the last 11 years and just basically we we go develop properties and and finance school facilities all over the country 
Okay. So that's what I do for my day job. Huh. For the last True. 10 years, I've been at a software technology company called Domo. And Domo? What's I, that? It's, uh, Domo is a software platform that enables you to, anybody running a business to see, to, to connect all their data and see how the business is doing okay. from a single dashboard is huh. the simplest way to, okay. to tell about it. So and it's complicated. Business intelligence, we're in that space. Uh, <laughs> it was funny, well, though, uh, early 2000, like 2003, Jeff and I and one of our older brothers actually, this is what kind of got us coming back to Utah. We started a mortgage company together. Oh, wow. So we did that for five or six years and kind of timed it right and got out when the kind of the, the mortgage <laughs> industry kind of imploded on itself. And so we did that and it was really fun to work together for five or six years. And then we kind of went and did our own thing again. Yeah. But So do those jobs let you hunt a lot? Or do you just tell, we're, you, we're tell getting, you? We're getting to the point where, and, and they know when September comes around, they may not see me as much or at all. And so we, there's we a lot of flexibility in, cool. in mine anyway to, yeah. to go do that. So it's, it's really nice that way. Or else I would choose a different profession. <laughs> or something. Oh, that, I should have had you guys on my podcast. Uh, I did a podcast about marital advice. I, I hit my 30th wedding anniversary. <laughs> and so the podcast we released that day was subtitled, How to Hunt Six Months a Year and Make Your 30th Wedding Anniversary. Yeah. Sounds like you guys are well on that way too. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been, a, just like you probably, it's been a, it's been a, a learning curve how to how to navigate that fine balance between, <laughs> between uh, honey, I'm, I'm gone for this month, and how can you take a month off for hunting and you can't take two days for family vacation? <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, I hope my wife doesn't listen to this one, too. You know how to answer that question. Uh, well, honey, I'm, I'm providing, providing yeah. meat for the family. I mean, that's got to be the this right up work. there. Elk hunting is work. That's right. Yeah. Okay, guys, you guys away. wouldn't have food if yeah. we didn't go do this, so... Yeah. yeah, boy, I've tried that. Before. <laughs> that, that. That rationale was really a bad one a yeah. long time ago. She's, my As wife a CPA, is, she's like, yeah, you, you can't make that justification. Right. I, and, I, and my justification is, hey, you deserve that expensive meat. That's right. <laughs> it's like the when all is said done. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, I spend this much money on this and gas. I needed a this. new ATV, a new bow. Uh, I'm paying like $70 a pound for this elk meat. Uh, I could go and buy you some beef for $8 a pound, but I just I expect more from my family. Yeah. yeah, I know that it's not working when my wife always says, would you ask or try to convince one of your clients of that? Yeah. Don't insult me by trying to convince me of it. It's like, oh, all right, I'll go shovel some snow, honey. You're exactly. right. <laughs> Where's the shovel but, again? Do you have a shovel? Yeah. But you guys are really into the fitness side, Al Cunning. So uh, we're like on op opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> I mean, people walking by here are looking at me, and they're looking at you guys saying, who's Newberg talking to there? He'd be in that good of shape. Those guys aren't eating Dairy Queen. Yeah. <laughs> So, you look fantastic, <laughs> Andy. Uh, I drive a desk for a living, yeah. is what I tell people about six months out of the year. And uh, people, and so the whole Dairy Queen stunt got started <laughs> thanks to two people, uh, Cameron Haynes and Brian Call. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they, they were asking me, well, you know, do pretty good killing elk. What's your workout regimen? I'm like, well, I got tax season, and so there it's, I don't get a lot of exercise, and then in the summertime I go and hike, and then I go to Dairy Queen, and then I go hunting uh, starting in the fall. That's, I work out by hunting, and they, 
I, I, these were two different conversations. Uh, and both of them had kind of the same response of, what, what, what's the Dairy Queen thing? I'm like, well, I just I grew up with it. It's a problem. And so it's my one <laughs> indulgence in life. I don't drink, don't smoke, don't gamble, don't stay out late. So, you know, we all got to have one Next vice. best thing, go to Dairy Queen. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And uh, so I think it was Brian Call had me on a podcast, and he's given me grief about it. And I'm like, so, Brian, how many elk did you kill last year? Mm, none. Okay, I killed two eat more dairy queens right <laughs> and it, became, it just grew from there so it's what's funny is i know brian he stayed at my house a few times he will indulge in a bowl of ice cream at a drop of a hat <laughs> i know you don't have to talk oh, him into yeah. it yeah we, we hunted with him in arizona last month he's the only guy who came to camp with ice cream yeah I'm like, Brian, what's this all about, yeah. man? I had to make but, it a New Year's resolution. <laughs> to not, not eat ice cream. <laughs> really? Oh, so you guys aren't, like, averse to ice cream. Yeah, nah. we're not that strict. Oh. But it's so funny. what We've, is, I mean, just because the audience isn't here looking at you saying, wow, I mean, you're 40, five. 45. 45. You look like you're 22. You look like you could go and play college football, if not in the NFL. And that doesn't come just by genetics so what's your what's your i think i think one of the things is and we've talked a lot about this on elk 101 and tried to educate people because there's always this argument like do you do you have to be in like top physical condition to go on elk and or, or kill elk and, and obviously the answer is no i mean yeah, a lot of so lot. he looks at me and he says obviously the answer is no he looks at randy <laughs> you can kill elk randy knows where the elk are though and that's part, that's part of the, part of the, the yeah. of this. i think i think Corey, one of the things that uh, was just kind of in our blood from a very early age is we came from a household of, of five boys so we had three older brothers a very athletic household and um jeff and i played football was kind of our first passion and then um, we actually made the freshman basketball team and we were like six and seven guys obviously can only play five and that ticked us off so the wrestling coach happened to swing by at the at the practice one day and says hey why don't you guys come and wrestle and we were we were kind of like that actually is a good idea because no one can tell you you're not tougher than the, the next guy or better than the next guy because you can just go prove it on the mat right, right. so yeah. that actually was our entree my dad had got us into some peewee wrestling when we were just little kids but like when we were ninth graders, we decided to kind of jump into the into wrestling, and I think that kind of set the stage in our life. We really did it just to stay in shape for football, but we ended up being good at wrestling. And and but you know, from a diet standpoint, to just killer workouts, to just kind of I think the most demanding sport on your body. If you've never wrestled before, I mean, it's it's that. Yeah. And uh, that kind of set the stage. And I know a lot of guys that that wrestled with me that. I, I look at now and I'm like, you would never think that they <laughs> done a, a stitch of exercise since. So we made up on all the food they missed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we've obviously had to kind of stick with it, but I, I think that sent, set the kind of foundation of, of just staying in shape and being healthy. And we're always really competitive anyway as twins. So mm -hmm. there was always this motivation. Am I going to be stronger than Jeff? Or, is, you know, it seemed like that was in the back of our minds. But then when we kind of implemented into the hunting, it was such a natural transition to say we just want to be in the best shape we can we train to hunt elk now that's really what our platform is and and so we you know we used to lift heavy and do do things like that it's it's kind of evolved over time as we've gotten older and it's just more about full body workouts and and just trying to be in the best physical shape we can because our style of hunting is is like jeff said earlier backcountry hunting and we utilize our horses but we get our horses 
into the backcountry, but then we go hunt from there. It just gives us an advantage to go a little deeper than other people. And then we go out and hunt from there, but you know, and we're pretty fresh and we can even get deeper into the woods. So that's, I think that's really our motivation today and why we do it. And it's just, it's just kind of stuck with us. So. So is there a specific diet? I mean, is there, do you guys eat a certain way? You know, I don't, don't really follow a specific plant. I mean, obviously there's the easy ones, right? Yeah. Cut out the sweets, the sugars, the simple carbs, you know, all of that stuff. And we, we've done quite a bit of research on this. Um, there's people that go specifically on different, you know, paleo diets or whatever. We eat a lot of elk <laughs> yeah. in a lot of different varieties. And we, we watch what we eat and we try and, you know, I, the thing we have studied is, and with the technology that you have, you, you can figure out how many calories you're burning in a day. Yeah. And, and at one point we were training for a couple Spartan races last year. So we are always trying to figure out something to train for just, mm-hmm. just to keep us motivated. It yeah. might be a bike, mountain bike race or a Spartan race or something, but you know, there's calories in, calories out. So see what yeah. your metabolic rate is, you know, and then try and manage that. You got to, you got to fuel your body with the right fuel so you can perform, but you don't want a bunch of excess, you know, calories that you're not burning every day. So that's kind of the, the thing we try and I, live by. Yeah, and I think people that go to the extreme, like fad diets and go to the extreme one way or to the other, they're just kind of setting themselves up for failure. So yeah. A uh, firm believer in kind of balance in your life, and and you got to have indulgences. Some you got to go to your Dairy Queens every once in a while. But, <laughs> but define uh, every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> Not on the way to work every day, Randy. But yeah. well, you know you've taken it too far when they follow you on Instagram. <laughs> that's right. That, that's been the like the. Have they the, named it like a cone after you yet? No, we're, we're, I, I'm going to try to convince them of that. But when I found flavor I, of the week, you know how in Instagram Randy's you get a notification someone's following you. I'm like. I see this one Dairy Queen official is following you. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And uh, sure enough, they were. And then they Poster got a whole, child form. Yeah. Well, and then got, to make it even better, they they were only following like 20 people. Yeah, at on that Instagram. time. And now that now they're up to like 160 people they follow. But I don't know who all these other people are. They're like, yeah. so I ask my <laughs> my crew is young. You know, they're all in their 20s. I'm like, you know who this is? Oh, yeah, that, that person is like a pop singer. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't know. So, yeah. It's, but the, I, I think the status. other thing that, yeah, I know. The other thing that, that I get asked a question quite a bit, like, what, what do you do? What, you know, what's your workout regi- mm-hmm. regime? And, and, and it's evolved over time, like I said. But one of the things we've done for the last couple of years is, you guys heard of Mountain Tough mm-hmm. uh, Fitness Labs out of yep. Montana? Yep. So um, we've gotten to know Dustin and, and have implemented that actually the last couple of years um, pretty heavily this last year where they kind of did the, the pre-hunt workout and then we're, uh, we're doing the post, post-hunt season workout right now. And I think that's a, that's a really good platform. And the, one of the things I like about it, it's all laid out for you, almost like a personal trainer. Um, hmm. You know, they've got video instruction if you don't know how to do an exercise. Um, and is it's it a, home it, based? So you, you can, do you can it with yeah. I mean, there, there's a few things in there. Like uh, they use a row machine, for example, which is a pretty integral part of their workout. So if you don't have a row machine at home, it helps to go to a rec center. Uh, but you don't need to go pen, spend twenty dollars at a you know high end gym to go do this. I mean, if you've got some some dumbbell weights and um, it's nice to have kind of a squat rack and, and some things like that. But for the most part, it's a really good mix between kind of the cardio aspects that you need, 
building the legs, everything's kind of foundational, core, all the things you need as an elk hunter, you know. And so they've given, given a lot of thought to that. And, and I've been pretty impressed, really impressed actually with hmm. the, the quality of that, that workout as it, as it translates in, into hunting. So we'll get on this platform and then we'll like go on a mountain bike ride and it just seems so much easier what just because of the... This yeah. is so easy. Yeah, it, it, oh, it really? builds a really good base that way. So huh. it's, it's, uh, it's been good. Mm. <laughs> Randy's, like gonna... Randy's not taking notes right no, now. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking <laughs> this notes. through. Yeah. So uh, I'm just going to ask the practical question. And I, have you, as you guys have been talking, I've been looking at the audience walking by here. Uh, and they're, they're closer to my profile than they are your profile. <laughs> so you work 50 hours a week. You got kids. You're helping out at school or church or scouts or little league or whatever all the above all the above how do you mentally block out that okay i got to take care of my body for a half hour 50 minutes or an hour and a half today yeah that that, to me that most people aren't afraid of the work it takes to stay in shape it's they never move that high enough up their priority list of the compete competing priorities for their time is there a trick or a a way that works for that i think one of the things that um you have to you have to put a schedule together but you have to put a schedule that works so if you say hey i'm gonna i'm gonna work out at the end of the day like for me that just doesn't work Mm -hmm. i've got too many things i feel tired i'm sluggish so we we get up at 10 to 5 and we're to the you know we're meeting up, and the nice thing too is we have each other, which we've talked about before too. If you if you ha- if you can find somebody else to, to hold you accountable, yeah. that's the same level as you, which is really kind of key too. Yeah. yeah, it makes it really like if Mark's going to the gym, I got to be there, or vice versa. So it it motivates us. So we'll we'll usually text each other the night before, see in the morning. When you set that mentally in your mind, you're just going. If you're saying, "Hey, I might wake up in the morning, I might not." It's not, not going to happen. happen. Yep. <laughs> so we get up early and get it done. And some people say, well, I, I just can't do it in the morning. I, I, I'm just not a morning person. Hmm. Well, uh, I've, and I'm one of those people. I can't work out in the morning, not because I'm not a morning person. Physically, I get nothing out of it. I don't know if it's just because I'm so tired in the morning, but I've done it in the morning. It's like, I can't even lift the bar bench yeah. pressing right now. You know, if I come back yeah. an hour later, I can double the weight. And yeah. so I, I physically don't get anything out of a workout if I do it early in the morning. Yeah. So you've got to, you got to do what works for you. But for us, that, that's just the consistency makes it really easy. We're just, we're going somebody has someone else, I think. Oh, yeah. Sorry, we, we had a phone ring. Phone uh, ring. Uh, don't worry about it. $20 to the kitty. <laughs> <laughs> um, but finding something that consistently works for you and just sticking with it and then finding a partner to hold you accountable. I think those are the keys that have helped us. Um, be consistent at it and honestly at this point it's become such a lifestyle thing if I miss I just feel yucky yeah. and if I don't eat the right way I feel yucky and yeah. and so those those are the I think the keys for us and I think for anybody to, who wants to to, to, to and, find success. Yeah, and if, if your motivation's not 100% elk hunting like it is for us then you gotta find you gotta find your motivation yeah. you gotta find um whether it's a, an event you're training for, like I said, you, even though we trained to hunt, this, these Spartan events we did last year were really great. I mean, our level of intensity of how we trained, e- even with motivating each other, went to the ne- next level up in terms of just how we trained, just because 
we're so stinking competitive that you know <laughs> we we want to whatever whatever we enter we want to compete and do well and and um, so so did one of you. Yeah, Mark, up beat, on Mark beat me. I, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, so through through my work, they threw some cash at the winner of this thing. Oh wow! And, uh, between just the two of you? Well, between the two of us, but also there was a there was a guy at our work that thought he was the best, and so our our CEO said, whoever. Whoever can beat this guy, there's a there's an amount of money, um, and so and it wasn't insignificant. It wasn't insignificant. <laughs> so anyway, um, I I told Josh, I said, hey, I got to bring Mark into the mix here, and he goes, yep, totally. He's he's Pay like he's, he's like an employee. So so that got us even more motivated. And th these Spartan races, I don't know if you've heard yeah. of these things, but the super yeah. we did was um, was up at Eden, up at the ski resort up there, Party and Valley. so. They, <laughs> they take you, there's 29 obstacles that you have to navigate. Plus, it's about between eight and nine miles is the run portion wow. of this. And so they start you out and they run you um, a mile and a half to the top of Nordic Valley, which is about 2,000 vertical feet, just to start the thing wow. out. And then you've got sandbag carries and you've got, you know gravel bucket carries and you've spear got spear throws <laughs> spear throws <laughs> and you got all this stuff that and a, a barbed wire crawl up the mountain we've got a little visitor here a muley a, 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 a young elk hunter has just joined us <laughs> get him a headset <laughs> sorry about the interruption guys. no sorry, it's, sorry. it's fine and so um it it's a very demanding um event yeah. Especially if you want to be competitive. So how at many it. how many hours? I mean, this eight to nine mile race. So I, obviously, I put my I put my watch on. It took me just under two hours. Mark did it in a, a buck forty five, but the my whole race buck yeah. forty. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about the first <laughs> trip <laughs> to gain two thousand <laughs> vertical. Yeah. So oh. my average heart rate um, for that race was at one sixty eight. Whoa! And for a forty five year old, that if you take two twenty minus your age, which is your max heart rate. Then I'm running too way too hot for too long, and <laughs> I started up that first hill, and I was at one about 175, 180, and I blew up. Like I don't know if this you guys have ever experienced this, but I just blew up. Like I gave up my will to win to live really? at that point. <laughs> so film 220 minus your age. Yeah, it should be your maximum heart rate. Yep. So you should so never get your heart rate above 168. 188. Yeah, 168 would be. That would be your max, max. Now, I, I, I get uncomfortable if I get out of the one, like 150, 155 now. And so, you know, when they talk, talk about training in target zones, you want to be yeah. anaerobic or versus aerobic. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can train in your aerobic and you'll do some circuit training and stuff where you'll get anaerobic for a little bit, but you can't go anaerobic for too long or you're going to, your body's not going to blow function. up. <laughs> blow up. <laughs> so it's, it, yeah, I mean, those types of events are, are they, they simulate, I think, a little bit, kind of what a, maybe a six or seven day backcountry hunt does. Not, not in the intensity. In two hours. In two yeah. hours, yeah, yeah. yeah. seriously, because it's, it's so condensed. But just the overall training you do, I mean, we go on these backcountry hunts and especially getting back in the country on, on your horse, we just, we feel fresh the whole time. It's just, it's really a lot of fun, of hunt, you know, fun hunting uh, when you can just see an elk and doesn't matter where it is, you can go after it and, and, uh, you don't really have limitations on the terrain. We'll so. give you a for example here. So in Idaho this year, last year, we tried to find an area that we could find some wilderness, mm -hmm. which would eliminate ATVs, which right. would eliminate 
you know, anything motorized. Yep. And, and then get way back in where we could get away from folks. And it was really interesting. The trailhead we left from had 20 15, vehicles 20. And, and even a bunch of horse trailers. And we're like, crap, like we are going to run into all kinds of people. So we get about four miles in and we had passed a lot of people with full backpacks, you know, fully loaded up. Yeah. <laughs> and they made it about two and a half, three miles in. There's just no way physically that they could get back in there. And we spent a day there and we said, well, we got to go further because there's obviously too many people pushing the elk around. So we rode back in and we ended up going about 10 miles back in, 10 on to 11 horse. miles back in on the horse. At that point, we didn't see. We saw two, we saw two other hunters, by the way, that were absolutely horrible callers. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 at three in the afternoon, they were bugling nonstop. And I know there's the midday madness, but- <laughs> the, that, that was insanity. <laughs> this was like, and we're like, it is 85 degrees. These bulls are bedded up. Anyway, um, we saw them, but what was crazy about it is they had been dropped off by a, by a guide, by an Outf outfitter. Oh, okay. And, and they, didn't, they didn't know what they were doing. And uh, they, we, would, we would see them at 8 or 9 in the morning when we were back from our morning hunt, and they were just headed out <laughs> for their morning hunt. It was kind of funny. <laughs> but uh, they, they had actually, they were in the general area where I ended up killing my bull and could probably hear him because he bugled a couple times. We were hoping he didn't. But um, going back to physical fitness, the, the morning we found him, I, um, I actually had to climb about 1,000 vertical feet to get above to get above him and make a play on him coming to his bedding area, um, which goes back to the physical. Like, yeah. there's just what I did in that amount of time needed to happen to make that, to be effective there. Yeah. And if I wouldn't have been in the shape I was in, it wouldn't have happened for sure. Uh, it, it, was, it was not a, it was not an insignificant hill. And I stayed <laughs> on this side, just glassing these bulls and Jeff <clears throat> bombed off in the bottom, seriously straight down, straight back up, thousand vert. He got in perfect position right as they fed across. We didn't, we didn't, sorry, Corey, we didn't even call this bull. We just, we just let him feed right across. And so it was a mule deer then. Yeah, it was a mule deer. <laughs> we did a spot and stock. <laughs> if you didn't call it a mule deer. Any, any elk that doesn't call yeah. or bugle, Corey just he calls He bugled it. the day uh, before, so we felt justified <laughs> in killing him. Uh, did, did you see him bugle? I yeah, saw we him. Did. Corey we calls did. those greater mule deer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and it goes back to the argument. Everybody always says, well, you don't, I know people who are out of shape who kill elk every year and have for 40 years. You don't have to be in shape to kill elk. And that's, that's a true statement. Mm -hmm. But I know when I'm in shape, the, the better shape I'm in, the more enjoyable the right. hunt is and the more successful I am, the more efficient I am. That's yeah. not comparing my success to anybody else's success. I'm a better hunter when I'm in better shape than I am when I'm not in good shape. And yeah. that's, I want to be the best hunter I can be. I've got to put some effort into physical condition. Well, and I think the, the revelation for a lot of people is like, they don't really realize sometimes how big elk are and, and how yeah. much effort it takes to get, uh, you know, butcher an elk and get it out of the back country, yeah. especially that time of year sometimes when it's warm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and that's one of the reasons we take horses because we can expedite that process a little faster. And I've done it a lot without, but it just, it makes it that much better. But, you know, we look at a lot of these guys going from the trailhead and kudos to them. I mean, they're, they're getting out there and they're doing it, but the reality of them, you know, killing a bull that far back in, getting it quartered out, packing it out, 
the easiest parts kill them out yeah. sometimes. Yeah. It's the this the strain. Um, my bowl was a little bit later in the month, and I just went in with another buddy because Jeff was tied up at work, and we did. We hiked in. We got to the trailhead at 10 p.m. We hiked into a spot five miles in on our backs with camp. And we set up camp. I think we got there around 1:30 or two. Up five o'clock the next morning. We we killed that bull by 8:30, <laughs> and then we packed it a mile from where we killed it back down to our camp. The whole elk, and and then we shuttled it out from there. Just just he and I, and and we logged 35 miles in in less than 36 hours. Um, with our camp and everything. So it's just, we had success because we were in shape to do that. But I guarantee that the average Joe that's not in shape isn't going and, and no. having that kind of success doing that. that no, thing. And so, I think just to, to bring it back to more personal, you wouldn't have that success no. if you weren't in that shape. No. And that's, you know, and it comes back because like Randy's over here going, I don't go to a gym. I don't work out. But Randy spends a hundred and some days a year in the field. Walking. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. your gym. That's, right. that's your workout. Yeah. So it's not like Real you're world. sitting here saying, yeah. I don't work out and I'm successful. You right. do work out. It's just a different routine. Right. I think it's for those of us who, when I was an engineer, sat at a desk. I got two weeks vacation. I was at that desk the other however many days a year that is. I had to go to a gym to get my workout. Or I had to do something. Go for a trail run. Yeah. Go for a mountain bike ride. I had to purposely workout. And I think for a lot of us who sit at a desk or have that job that's demanding, we have to make that a part of it because we can't just show up September 10th and say, I've been sitting at a desk for the last 11 and a half months. I'm going to go out and tackle the mountain. It just, it yeah. doesn't happen. No. When you, when you put uh, Elk, Elk Hunting University together, I know that's what was one of your major focuses. Cause when we did the fitness section of that, we had yep. kind of Brian doing the heavyweight, like li lifting piece of it. Jeff and I kind of did a component on more just full body, not still using a gym, but not having to use maybe some of the heavyweights. And then uh, Russ Myers did the piece where he just would All throw on a pack and, and would run up and down the road. And so anyone can do it. It's just like Jeff said earlier, it's figuring out a routine and figuring out what works for you and, yep. and, and, and putting forth some, some effort to do it. And sure. I was going to talk about that. Jeff and Mark, I invited them up <laughs> when I was creating the University of Elk Hunting online course to help with the physical side. So I'm like, I work out, but I'm not a, I mean, I'm not nearly as dedicated. I do it. I make myself do it because I know it makes me a better elk hunter. These guys live it. Like fitness is your platform. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And elk hunting is your motivation for it. And so to be able to have the way they do it, and like you said, Rust, Rust did a, a piece on just putting on a backpack with some weight in it and doing it at your house, finding a hill, running up and down, doing burpees, doing push-ups, you know, Step all these different things whatever, yeah, yeah. that work a lot of the same muscles. And then Brian Call did one, you know, using just, I think there are four exercises just to really work the core and yep. the most important muscles for elk hunting. So it doesn't matter what you like to do, what your motivation is, if you'll do something, you'll yeah, be a better for, elk hunter. For me, there were two life events that really forced me to have to be serious about my health not not yeah. like in extreme fitness type stuff but in 2002 being a cpa and driving a desk for a living my lower back was a wreck yeah. because i sat way way too much i'd gained that extra 20 pounds that a lot of people do at that age in their life i was almost 40 and so i go to the orthopedic guy he's like you know what you've let your back get to the point where you're probably going to have back surgery. And I'm like, no. no. And I remember <laughs> telling Dr. 
I'm not going to use his name, but, <laughs> but uh, I said, don't go buy your wife a new uh, Forerunner based on my bit, my fees paying for it because I'm bullheaded. So I went to uh, a manual therapist, physical therapist who specialized in backs. She said, well, the problem is one, you're fat. You, you've gained 20 pounds you don't need and you sit and your core is weak. And that's what's giving you all this back pain. So it took me two years to get my back to where I wanted it to be. And now this is just, uh, you know, going back to the, I have to do certain things to get me to a place where I'm committed to this. I think back to that and I don't let myself watch any TV, whether it's the news, whether it's sports, without doing my exercises, my core exercises, because yeah. I can do most of those on the floor. I'm doing a lot of them, uh, just, you know, certain types of leg lifts, certain types of other things. So you, people, if you come up to the Randy room, you're going to see all of this stuff in my Randy room that looks like a little bit of a, a yoga gym. <laughs> and it's just mentally where I got to be. If I want to watch the Minnesota Vikings get their butt kicked again on Sunday, guess what? I got to be doing my core exercises during that. If I want to watch the news when I get home. So, uh, and I, a bit of my shtick is that I'm, you know, I'm completely out of shape. And, and Corey said, yeah, you, you're out 100 days a year. And I am. And I'm, I'm blessed. I live a mile from a trailhead. But I put on my calendar every day in the summer two and a half hours of hiking because that's when I need to really start ramping it up. I don't want to let everything fall apart in tax season when I'm driving that desk for a living. But for me, I just have to do certain things. I had another health event. Uh, I Some people have seen on our platforms, I have a really messed up liver. I had a huge blood clot in my liver that destroyed all the plumbing. So I get about 20% of the blood flow into my liver that you guys get. The rest of it just recirculates. So if you can imagine having your car where you're only filtering 20% of the oil, that's, so I'm not able to get rid of certain things, certain acids, certain toxins, toxins at the rate that you guys can. But I don't let that be my excuse. For me, it's an excuse to not let my health get worse because the more I hit a valley down in the bottom of my total overall health, the harder it is to get out of that valley with my liver condition. So I try to keep some level playing field. And yeah. I with the same, I mean, on that same token, you can't go and push hard at the gym because the lactic acid buildup yeah, doesn't I, get processed right. and it becomes poison instead yeah. of a runner's high. Yeah, if you want to have a serious headache uh, and body aches and other problems, have a liver that doesn't work and fill your body with lactic acids that you can't get rid of. And But to, to Corey's point of, I go to the Mayo Clinic every year for my liver condition. And when I was there this year, after kind of right in the middle of hunting season, they're like, are you some sort of marathon runner or something? <laughs> I'm like, no. I have, I'll run to the, the marathon if there's an ice cream cone at the end. But, so my resting heart rate was between 38 and 40. Wow. And the, there's a certain procedure they do. They said, look, you might have to go drink some caffeine because we can't do this unless your resting heart <laughs> rate is dead. over 40. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's a, just to give the point that I, I don't let everything just fall apart. I'm, yeah. I'm never going to be the, the person who really can get after it, but my pleasure in elk hunting, and another, and this wasn't a life event, but 
I went on an elk count one time and I, it just sucked. <laughs> I thought I was, you know, I'm going to go do this. I got my mind all made up. But in my head, I knew I wasn't in, I, I'd been at the office for six months working 12, 14 hour days. And I just went and did it. It was the most miserable elk hunt I ever went on in my life. And I remember walking off the mountain. I left a couple days early. I'm like, I'm never going to let myself be like this again. This, yeah. uh, so That's a I life use, event. Right. I, I mean, it really is. Yeah. Right. I use that event of misery. I mean, not, it was self-inflicted misery because I, I didn't do what it took to be in some level of shape. I mean, I left right from the CPA firm of working. I never even took time off after tax season. It was the most unhealthy I'd ever been in my life. And I think I was 37 or 38 years old. And I said, no, never again. Yeah. So I've just forced myself to treat my body or, or at least keeping my health and my fitness to some degree as an appointment on my calendar. It's so hard to come back once you've fallen off the bandwagon. So yeah. that's another motivation. <laughs> yeah. It's so much easier to maintain. It takes you six ma- weeks to get there and yeah. six days yeah. to lose everything. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. how that works. You brought it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say... Um, you experienced a little bit this, of this last year when you were hunting with somebody who, you and we've, know. We've talked about that. You know, yeah. we, we hunted with Tommy from Texas. He's 65, I think. Um, came from sea level. Just he owned a dental practice, so he didn't have the time in yep. his schedule. Didn't have, you know, didn't build the time in his schedule to work out for elk hunting. He worked out. I mean, he got on a treadmill. He prepared as best he could. But it just wasn't enough. And he, you know, I mean, obviously, this, the whole altitude acclimation yep. was, was a big factor in that. And so we talk a lot of times, you know, people are asking, what can I do? I'm coming from back east. The biggest hill around here is 1,200 feet in elevation. I'm going to Colorado at 10,000 feet. You know, do I need to be in the gym? Do I need to be running a lot? What do I need to do? And, uh, I mean, you guys can touch on that because you, you experienced that. You've hunted 14,000 feet in Colorado. And I think, I think one of the, yeah, one of the things that uh, makes a huge difference is this, it's called um, high, high intensity interval training. And so you can go out and run 10 miles. You can get actually a better kind of fitness benefit from maybe running as hard as you can for a hundred yards and then resting for a hundred yards and running, just getting your heart kind of elevated and then back down into a zone and elevated and back down to a zone that actually has more benefit scientifically than just going out and running five to ten miles so there you go well, Randy. so you don't, see, need, to, you don't I, even need I to didn't go know run. there was a term for that but when i hike i uh, i'll start out a little slow make sure everything's stretched Lo- out loosen but up. then i will really get after it for yeah. about 20 minutes yeah. just to <laughs> yeah there you go I, Randy, I, I didn't even know there was a term so, you that. say you don't exercise but you just told us what you do at home yep. right uh-huh. and you just and you just gave us another example you do you actually. I didn't so know that was. one <laughs> okay. of the things, Randy, you said though, Fitness that I, I, by Randy Newberg. Yeah, I think that was so important is just. And I didn't even know it. You use you use uh, you know technically downtimes in your life, watching TV or whatever. To, mm-hmm. I mean that that's that's good. Maybe you know decompression from life, or a lot of people do that. But you were doing something active during that time, and I think it's not emphasized enough that our core, you know, back midsection, legs, our, our whole core is the most important thing that we can stress. Done are the days, for, at least for elk hunting in my mind, of, of going out and doing isolation, isolation yeah. exercise. You don't need to go do bicep curls or, you know, these isolation exercises. Honestly, we don't do that anymore. And, you know, 
doing full body stuff and, and strengthening your core is, I think, the absolute most important things guys can do because you're carrying heavy stuff on your back or you're, you're you know, wa walking pack. a long, long time every day. So your legs, your butt, your core, all that's, that's key. If I, if I could give any advice, focus on those things and don't worry about, you know, getting in the front of a mirror in a gym and, and just doing isolation stuff because it just I, I always uh, say biceps don't kill elephants <laughs> they don't <laughs> you know they're cool because you see you recognize the gains with a bicep I mean it's right there it's an isolated muscle you lift it and it's like wow look at my bicep it, it grew today and but the thing is Corey like we don't do that yeah and you still get and, the workout and we still get the workout but yeah. if I'm doing um, if I'm doing deadlifts or if I'm doing some front or back squats or some of those kind of full body exercises where I'm working my legs and working everything. I seriously, all you that stuff that. will be built, yep. but you're not just isolating on it. And Take it, a and dumbbell from the ground, lift it up and push it over your head. I mean, that's a motion. I mean, you're going to be picking up meat. You're going to be picking up, you know, yeah, leg, rocks, back, core, I mean, whatever. shoulder, yeah. everything's yeah. in that motion, which stimulate or simulates hunting. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. that's for me, because I spend so much time hiking when I'm hunting, there's nothing I've found for what works for me and how I can do it that is better than having about 30 or 40 pounds on my back and going off trail, uphill, downhill, side hill, yeah. whatever. And that those all for me come back to the core. I can tell if I've been slipping on my core exercises just by when I'm walking and doing that because yeah. it's never even ground. Yeah. And I know some people don't have the benefit I do where, look, every place I live is paved. I, you know, <laughs> I, got, I got to go at the football stadium. That's the only, and that, sure, that's not going to be like side hilling, stepping over a deadfall or under a, a deadfall. And so I'm blessed in that, but I just try to find what are the things that replicate what I'm going to be yeah. doing when I'm out I there. That's, that's the key. And, and you don't really need all the fancy stuff to focus on core. I mean, there's tons of core, core exercises you can do that um, you, don't, you don't need a gym. You can do it in the comforts of your own home, Air in front squats, of a TV. Planks, you know, you know, just well, and I think on the, in the University of Elk Hunting, when you guys on your fitness segment... I don't think they used anything fancy. I think it was a lot of body weight and maybe a couple dumbbells and a bench or something. Yeah, no, so exactly anybody, right. you know, you can go to Walmart and buy a bench for 45 bucks and a couple dumbbells for 30 bucks and, you know, forego the gym membership and get the workout you need to improve. Yep. Yeah. Or you can get yoga equipment and exercise your core and go on a hike. I mean, there's just, you can tailor elk hunting fitness to your lifestyle. Yep. The key is Doing something. do something. Yeah. Well, Jeff and I have even talked about this in, in preparation for hunting season. We're, we're obviously doing a lot of stuff to prepare, but there's nothing that trains you quite like getting a 50-pound pack on and, and getting on the hill or hardening up your feet a little bit. I mean, yeah. you can go in the gym all, all, all year long and, and tell you side hill and feel, oh, <laughs> you know, that puts a callus on my, you know, my toe or my, my heel. I mean, those are the things you kind of got to get, got to get hardened up and, yeah. and ready for elk hunting as well. So yep. those are, doesn't do you any good to spend 360 <laughs> days in the gym and the next five days, yeah. put on a pair of boots and a backpack and go hit the hills. That's so, so one of the parts of this workout that I think is great is like every Friday is, is something that like this last Friday's workout was an eight mile, 50 pound rock hike. And oh. you and and you don't even go on the hills. You're just doing it, you know, down. It's just an eight, eight, wherever you can do eight miles at. But that's that was the Friday workout this last week, and gets weight on your back. It gets those muscles that that maybe you weren't working in the gym, kind of exercise. Um, I was actually breaking in a new pair of 
I, I love crispy boots. I had a new pair of uh, crispies that I was just breaking in because I, I usually wear them all summer and everything and get them ready. And this particular boot didn't fit me great, but I realized that pretty quick on that <laughs> hike. And they usually all fit me really well, but this particular model I was trying out didn't work for me. And I was halfway through this hike and my heels hurt so bad. I, I, had, I could feel blisters already starting and I, I almost called my wife I said come I was I was I was this close to calling her because I was like I don't want to ruin my feet and I pushed through it you know I was being and ruined his feet and I ruined my feet <laughs> for two weeks I I could hardly walk because my heels had blisters but you do that on a hunt and you're you're host right you yep. gotta you gotta be able to yeah if you do that day one on a on a 10 day or exactly you're done <laughs> you're done yeah, no matter how much time you spent in the gym yeah. you got on that first day and get blisters on your feet and hunts yeah. over yeah. I, if there was one thing I could say to new people or people coming out for an elk hunt who do one elk hunt a year it's back to what you just said there I take it for granted because I'm out wolf hunting or I'm out doing something where my feet, yeah, they get a little softer this time of year, but then spring bear hunt is a reason for me. I, now I've got three weeks where I'm just burning up and down the hills with, again, loads, and then that just carries into the rest of the year. But the first couple times when I'm really getting back after it, my feet tell me, <laughs> you know, Randy, you, those calluses are gone from last year. Yeah, or just boots on for a while. Yeah, or just the <laughs> muscles in the calf and the lower, yeah. ankle, you know, whatever yep. it takes for that stability on uneven ground is like, we haven't used those for a while. And I think if, you, if you're someone who doesn't get to do, doesn't have that easy, quick access to those places like I do, and you come out here and you jump out of the truck or get off the airplane, your feet are just not mountain mountain not ready. Not tough. Yeah. Not yeah. ready. Yeah. So, absolutely. The elevation thing, I don't know what to do on that one. I mean, that's hard. It almost like you have to come out a few days ahead of time to get yeah. acclimated because we went and hunted Colorado and, you know, we were in really good shape. This was actually back in 2010 when we first met you. We yeah. had we'd drawn a tag in southern Colorado and we camped at, at 12, 10,006, 10, and then we went yeah. up, and I killed my bull at 12,5. Wow. <laughs> and you, you, you think you're in good shape. You start hiking up there. The oxygen is so noticeably different yeah. that it, you fatigue so much quicker because your blood's not oxygenated. But I think, right? and that comes back even to the high-intensity interval training. Yeah. Your body knows how to use oxygen efficiently, so when it is limited like that, you don't suffer the effects of as high much, elevation yeah. as much. Yeah. And so I think doing that, but yeah, there's if you're going from sea level to 12,000 feet, it's going to take a couple days regardless. Yeah, yeah. So I you, think I think going anaerobic, like I said, with yeah. that hit training, going anaerobic, because that's kind of what happens in a high-altitude high situation. You go, you know, you do the same amount of exercise, but you're, and, and I heard the science behind this one time, it's not, it's not that there's less oxygen up there, it's how your body assimilates that oxygen. So your cells actually just don't absorb, when you, when you breathe in, yep. they, there's less uh, atmospheric pressure at that, at that hmm. level. So it's, it's how the, the oxygen comes out in and, and assimilates into your cells is, is more of a factor than everyone says, well, there's no air up here. Well, the, the air is the same, <laughs> it's just how your body's processing that. It's not being forced into your body that, the that's same right. way. It, it, it comes in a little differently. So, but going anaerobic, coming back out of that zone, that's gonna help you in those, those situations. When, yep. when you guys are doing these Spartan races or other real competitive things, or even just when you guys are really intense in your workouts, you guys probably, it's so intuitive to you about hydration and, yep. okay, when do I need to be feeding my body during the day while I'm doing this? 
But a lot of people I see who come out here, they have no idea how arid it is and how quickly just the respiration is going to is at a faster pace. You're going to dehydrate quicker. Yep. So hydration and just some of the basic essentials seem to be a struggle for folks who might be in really good shape, but they just aren't either thinking about that or their life experiences haven't made it as intuitive as it is for you guys. Are there a few things that you'd say, look, even if you're in really good shape, a lot of that can be compromised if you don't A, B, or C. Yeah, if you don't fill the Ferrari up with fuel, it's not going to run just like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so... Um, you don't even need to have a Ferrari. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I was trying to say somebody who's in really good shape or a really nice car, but we... Um, you know, when we, when we, uh, so nutrition is a huge part of this, right? Mm -hmm. We, we've talked about this a little bit, but nutrition and how you feed your body and, and hydrate your body. I mean, I have a goal every day to, to drink, you know, a certain amount of water that I know I need. If you're going to the bathroom every 30 minutes, you're doing it right. <laughs> if it's clear and, <laughs> yeah. um, but if you don't do that, especially out hunting, you know, we make it a big point to, to really hydrate cause it is, and you know, we, you've talked about some areas that just don't have even have a lot of water to even get out there, which you, uh, you, you know, we've been in some areas where we haven't been able to find the water. So we've used up all the reserves for the day and your body just starts to shut down. We had a buddy with us one year and uh, we had gone all day and we'd all run out of water and we couldn't find any to pump. We always take, and uh, he just, he lost his will to move. Like he yeah. just didn't want to go anywhere. And the next a massive headache and the next morning didn't want to go and i mean it it's really a real thing you got to be really careful one, one thing we do and i i think barclow was on a, a a podcast with you not too long ago but um in terms of kind of backcountry backcountry food we were very deliberate in how we measure out our caloric intake when we're in the backcountry so we'll actually you know deconstruct mountain houses or whatever and and um basically create a kit. It's like our daily food kit and we know exactly how many calories are in that kit. So whether it's granola bars or nuts or jerky or, you know, a dehydrated meal or whatever, we're, we're consolidating it. Our, our typical day is we'll like get up with like oatmeal packs or some sort of oatmeal granola mix. We'll take that down with like a fruit cup or something. And then lunch we'll make, you know, pre-make bagel, peanut butter sandwiches. And then our evening meals kind of this dehydrated meal, but we, it's in a sack and it says day one. And that's our day one. And we know that that represents hmm. 3,500 calories. And if we're burning 2,000 just being idle, right. we're, you know, we, need to, we need to go above and beyond that. So we, we're very deliberate about that. And then when it comes to hydration is I would just recommend someone always have a hydration pack on and be sipping on it all day long. Even if you don't feel thirsty, you need to be always hydrating the whole day because that altitude really will suck it out. If you're in colder temperatures, that sucks it out of you. You don't feel thirsty, but... I mean, it's obviously when you're hiking up a hill and it's 80 degrees out there, you feel thirsty in your drink. But the way your body loses through perspiration or whatever, um, you have to be drinking constant, constantly in the backcountry or, you, or you'll have one of these failures like Jeff was talking about with our friend. It's just, it's so important to do that. But our general rule is anytime we come across water, we're, we're topping off just in case we don't, you know, ha have a place. We usually or camp by, or try and camp by a stream or something so we have readily access. Obviously... With the horse dynamic, we have to find water for them and and drink them a and couple. Not just puddles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a couple days, yeah. a couple times a day. So it is really important, Andy. I mean, that's something that that is another kind of component of backcountry hunting, but is absolutely critical to success or 
or your your you know your survival's at, at risk. I know, so. Corey. This last year, you made a big point. I saw you carrying two extra bottles, right? <laughs> so I am I'm probably the worst yep. person. I actually used the camel. I, I did. I used to train myself for shed hunting to not carry water for an entire day and not drink. I would drink a bunch of water in the morning and go all day and make myself thirsty and push through that. And I think there's some long-term effects that I suffer from that because when I drink now like I'm supposed to, it goes right through me and I don't feel like the water is absorbed Retaining, by my body. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like I'm always dehydrated. And there's major health effects from, that come from being dehydrated. So I've made it a point to drink way more water deliberately, but I still fall short. I'm probably at 50% where I need to be, yeah. whether hunting or just sitting at the desk. And yeah. I don't have the exact figures on me about how much you should drink a day, but... Double your body weight in ounces, yeah. I think. Yeah. Is that so or half, a, half your body weight in ounces? It's half your body half weight in ounces. Weight. So we're, yeah. we're supposed to be like 70, 80 ounces a day, yeah. which is seems like a ton of water. Yeah. Because well, what's a, this is 16 ounces 16, a bottle, yeah. so <laughs> that would be four, five, five of these bottles a day you should be drinking. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's, that's just not without, exercising. That's out without, yeah, yeah. losing Exertion. it. Yeah. 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 So the friend that you said kind of just had to fold it up for a day i assume this person was in really good fitness he is we're pretty selective about who we invite <laughs> i was gonna say you, you don't want to drag a boat anchor like me with you so that's a polite way of saying that jeff yeah. i get it <laughs> so he's kind of the third cog in our will and and he always does really good and takes this seriously like we do but just missed that day and it it had a massive effect on him Jeff had to convince him to get out of bed the next morning just because he was feeling so crappy. And he's like, I'm taking a day off. i like, we can't. We got to go. We killed his bull that morning. Yeah. <laughs> and I wrote about this once, but yeah. he, uh, he would have missed that. He would have missed that opportunity. But yeah, it just yeah. had yeah. a massive effect on him. And the reason I say that is a lot of people can be in really good shape, but it's when you leave the tra trailhead, there's also this other component that can really compromise all of that all that work you've done yeah. if you aren't thinking about those things. And I would say even not just at the trailhead. I mean, my, my whole philosophy used to be I work out hard so I can have more ice cream. And it's, I mean, I mean, seriously, that was, I would say, I worked out really hard today. I deserve a large blizzard instead of a small. And, and, you know, that thinking is completely wrong because if you work out hard, you need to be putting good fuel in to get out of that workout what you want because you're not going to be in as good a shape if you put junk in as you are if you do the exact same thing and just eat right yeah. and fuel yourself. So both, you know, hydration and nutrition while you're working out. Yeah, for sure. It's huge. Well, I have way more fun elk hunting now since that one time I told you that I, I mean, you're describing your friend who is about ready to just give it up. That's, that was the mental state I was yeah. in. I just packed up and left. Yeah. That, I, I was defeated before I really even got into the hunt. I'm yep. like, you know what? I appreciate my days hunting way too much to let my fat butt <laughs> cause this complication <laughs> again. And so even though I'm not a picture of fitness, I, it's what serves as my motivation. I mean, right now it's shovel snow season in Bozeman. And my wife's like, well, why don't you get out the snowblower? You know what? I need about 45 minutes of exercise this morning, so I'm out shoveling the driveway. It's just, these, these, for me, because my time is so constrained, I just got to think of excuses. They all of add what's up. something that's going to help. Yeah, them. they all add up. It's great. So, 
because lifting tax returns is just there's <laughs> not enough not enough value in uh, hitting keyboard strokes and lifting tax returns so now to I, get i've got me a there. visual of randy every time i call him <laughs> He puts the headset on, he lays down on his yoga mat, and he starts doing leg lifts. That's, that's me. We should have been doing them right here. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Randy's an accountant. Somebody calls, you're on the clock, and I'm on the yoga mat. Yeah. Well, then I can accomplish that, and I can send you an invoice for exactly. the amount of time that I just gave <laughs> you paid to work for. out. Uh, awesome. Well, I appreciate it, guys. It's been really helpful for me. I, I hope the audience realizes that it's more of a lifestyle choice and a commitment to your health and, and, and I can say this because I'm 54 years old I'm at least 10 years older than all you guys is I used to laugh when the 40, when I was in my late 30s and the f- late 40 and 50 year old guys would say wait till you get to be 50 I'm like oh you pansy yeah well guess what I'm here to, <laughs> I am eating crow for having questioned those guys and what I've found is you just, uh, the older you get, you just got to make it more of a priority. Yeah, your body it, starts to change, your yeah. metabolism starts so. to change, all of that stuff starts yeah. to... Well, if, if you wait until you're 55 to start it, it's too late. I mean, you, yeah. just, you won't create the habit that's necessary. Yeah. I know exactly what you guys are going to look like in 10 years. You're going to look mm. like Tony Mudd. Yeah, you know, Tony's Stud. 55, 56, <laughs> and he is an absolute physical animal. Yep. Yeah. And as far as hunting goes, probably one of the most successful hunters I know. He is. And part of his success, I know, is attributed to his regimen to be physically fit. Well, and, and he enjoys it so much yeah. because of that. It's his lifestyle. Yeah. And, yeah. and creating, and you don't have to be Mr. Olympia or anything, but if you'll do something and create a habit now, it'll serve you in every aspect of life for the rest of your life. Yeah, there, there's a component of this that we don't have time to get into today, but just this mental toughness. So yeah. the mental toughness in the off season and mental toughness when you're when you're in the hunt, but this mentality of of kind of getting off your rear and 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 get getting in shape. There, there's a component of mental there. Getting up at five o'clock every morning or whenever you do it, there's a component of mental. Like I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna be defeated my by my you know, natural, your nat- body's <laughs> what your natural, body wants to do. Yeah, right. sometimes you got to listen to your body, but other times you got to kind of push through, you know? So this, this, this mental component's huge. I think that's so. huge. I, that, I wish we would have had more time to focus on that because I, I say that my only success or my best trait in life is I don't quit. Yeah. Is I'm very disciplined about when that alarm goes off, I'm not hitting snooze and I, I want to get something done during the day and i i'm not the kind of guy who's just gonna sit around and like oh the sun came up oh yeah. i think all this and oh you know maybe i'll get I to could that do this I, tomorrow yeah it, it that is all mental i i think the mental aspect of it is is huge of, yeah and the yeah. more you push yourself physically, the more you train your mind to say, I can get out of my comfort range and be successful. Yep. And so there's such a, a critical component there that is mental that you gain from pushing yourself physically. Yeah, yeah. agreed. So. Well, when are we going to talk about this next time? Let's do it soon. It'd be great. <laughs> All right, because I'm sure this is going to generate a ton oh, of questions, yeah. and I'm not I'm not even remotely qualified to answer any of them. <laughs> Corey, Corey handles all the questions. He filters them and forward. Or does Tyler? <laughs> Tyler fil- filters them, Okay. Yeah. And I'm sure any of them that relate to fitness don't end up going to my <laughs> inbox. <laughs> but And I'm not the best person to talk about fit. I mean, that's why we have you guys on here talking about yeah. it, because in my opinion... You guys are the epitome of do-it-yourself, 
everything. Like uh, your regular guys, most people listening might not have even ever heard of you, but you're probably some of the most successful elk hunters that I know. And that they're in every town across the West. Yeah. I mean, just people that nobody knows that would crush anybody going to the top of the mountain and packing an elk off of it. And that's, that's what I want to hear from real world, not the guy that lives in the gym on supplements and does that. I mean, that's important to, yeah. to some people. When it comes to elk hunting and fitness, the practicality side. The, of yeah, it. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate and balancing that. life, because I mean, you have how many children, Jeff? We both have five. You both have five, wow. so they range from twenty-one to eight. His is about the eighteen same. to six. So wow, got the whole gamut. You guys covered. are busy. <laughs> lots say, lots of stuff going so on. No excuses. Very busy at work, busy at home, making time to be successful yeah. in the gym and elk hunting. Yeah, and I think that goes to that mental part of anything you do in life is setting that goal and saying, how do I do the little steps, the little pieces that get me there? Instead of saying, yeah, I want to do that, and tomorrow I, if, yeah. I expect I should be able to yeah. do it tomorrow. Do a little bit each day. Start yeah. today, do a little bit each day, and we've got, don't try to eat the elephant all at once. Right. No, just build up to it. Yeah, I, I think then people, when they do that, they're, they get frustrated yeah. and then they quit. Yeah. Well, you also they, get injury go. too. If you go too hard, you gotta, you gotta work into this. Um, start little, little bit at a time. And oh, like elk hunting. Yeah. Realistic expectations. The guy <laughs> that comes out and says, I want to pick up a bow on August 31st and go shoot a 350 inch bull for the first time on <laughs> September 1st. They're going to give up and quit because it's not realistic. Uh, so Mark and I good. will even begin a seven day hunt. and <laughs> We'll say, let's, let's not, Let's not, burn too hot. Let's not go out too hot because even <laughs> you're so excited to get out there yeah. and it's the first opening morning and, you know, we don't need to Pace go yourself. 20 miles a day, Jeff. Let's just, <laughs> Pace no, let's just do 10. You know, it's like, <laughs> we don't, you know, you don't want to actually get on a glassing spot and use our eyes a little bit. <laughs> wanna, we can I find out versus, versus hiking over three ridges to see if we can find them. Wow. So. Well, the next time I want to have uh, you guys on with uh, Bo Beatty, the llama guy, and we can talk horses yeah. and llamas in the same podcast. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. The pluses and minuses and the, where they fit better or don't yeah. fit better. We or, definitely sometimes even debate within ourselves, do we take the horses because there's <laughs> such a benefit, but there's also so much more work and we worry about them and we've had some wrecks and disasters that... Yeah. You know, make it, you know, always leaves, uh, you know, that... Not taking them next not time. Taking it's them it's next stressful time. enough to go elk hunting, but you add kind of a, a, a another animal that you're caring for out there, it, it adds a new, new element. Their feed, is there going to be feed and water? You know, all that type of stuff yeah. makes you worried. You, you know, we like to stay out all day, but with horses, you have to come back. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of elements we need to talk about. In yep. a future, they'll be, they'll be selling their horses and getting llamas <laughs> if you ask Randy. Yeah. Well, it's uh, I didn't grow up in a horse family, so I know nothing about them. And the horses know that they sense I know, <laughs> they know nothing not. about them. <laughs> and they're like, "We're going to show this guy." They're running me up against trees and under limbs. And the guy, my buddy who owns a horse, is like, "Just tell him who's boss." I'm, I'm trying here, but I got a stick in my eye. <laughs> so he'll, well, look, he'll look back at me, and he's riding, and I'm now a half mile behind, leading his horse up the hill he's like i didn't bring him along because he needed to walk get on him and ride him well, just like, like you exercise and train for that we take that seriously all year so when we get oh. into the hunting situations we have complete confidence or 
a lot more confidence <laughs> in how they're going to react to react situations. to certain things and and their dispositions and that sort of thing and they they get to trust you so there's yeah. that connection that happens yeah well another topic another for topic another day yeah. yes thanks for awesome. having us appreciate yeah, it Mark yeah, thank you guys. thanks so much really thanks for listening it. folks and uh, we'll catch you on the next one yeah let's tell us see if they can turn the speaker noise down here <laughs> yeah. in this joint don't they know who you are Corey they do that's why they keep blaring the speaker right above me <laughs> uh, alright folks until the next time thanks so much <laughs>